Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the campus news here on CFRC 101.9 FM, Queens' community radio station. My name's Samara, and I am the campus news coordinator. On this show, we're going to talk about all the most important issues and events on campus from a student's perspective. I hope everybody has been having a successful midterm season. We are approaching the middle of November, meaning there are only a couple more weeks to the fall semester. This also means that exams are within a few weeks, so I hope everyone is finishing off the semester on a strong note and getting ready for the storm that is exam season coming up. Our opening song was Highway of Heroes by The Trues. Today is Remembrance Day, where we take the time to remember and commemorate the sacrifices so many of our service men and women have made for our country. Now, without further ado, let's get into the news. Many clubs are still reeling from the effects of the Student Choice Initiative. In the past few weeks, the final opt-out numbers have been coming in. It ranged from 16% of students opting out of the AMS fees to opt-out percents in the 20s range for many student clubs. This means the loss of thousands of dollars in funding as student fees make up the bulk of campus club spending budget. One Queen's Club or organization, I guess, that was seriously affected was the Queen's Legal Aid Clinic, who lost $22,000 in funding following the implementation of the Student Choice Initiative. For those that don't know, the Queen's Legal Aid Clinic provides legal advice and representation to full-time students at Queen's University and to low-income area residents. Legal aid fees, however, have been deemed non-essential by the Ministry of Training, Colleges, and Universities, so this September, the fees became optional. According to the Queen's Legal Aid Director, Blair Crew, 77% of undergraduate students opted into the $5.50 QLA student fee. Additionally, 76% of of graduate students opted in, and more than 90% of law students opted in. The QLA is very grateful for the support of students, saying not only do the students who opted to pay the levy help support QLA's anti-poverty work that assists the people of Kingston, but they will also gain instant access to a free, closely supervised law student to represent them for their own legal matters. Despite the promising opt-in rates, Crew cites the lack of time for the clinic to advertise the benefits of paying the fee to students. With the announcement of the SCI being a surprise to everyone, and the fee descriptions uh, which described the purposes of the levy on the flea slate were limited to a number of characters, it was difficult for Queens League Laid and many other clubs to properly advertise the full benefits that come along with paying your fees. Organizations were allowed fewer than 200 words in the opt-out portal to describe the potential benefits of paying fees. While these cuts are a big hit to the operation of the clinic, it isn't likely to greatly affect law students, as most students that become caseworkers are volunteers who donate their time without pay or academic credit. So, For the time being, the losses to QLA funding won't cause reductions in staffing levels or the number of supervised law students. Another campus initiative to get hit hard was the work-study program. 
For those of you that don't know about this program, it's designed to help low-income students or students that um, rely on OSAP to secure part-time jobs on campus or at local not-for-profit organizations. However, as a result of the Student Choice Initiative, they lost more than $30,000 this fall. The AMS and SGPS combined opt-out rate for the work-study program fee was 24.5%, according to Mark Erdman, the Queen's Community Relations and Issues Manager. This resulted in a combined financial loss of about 32000 According to Erdman, about 20% of the program budget comes from student fees. The work-study program is a joint initiative between student awards and career services within the Division of Student Affairs. The university pays Queen's departments and local not-for-profits a subsidy to help cover student salaries. I, for example, as the CFRC campus coordinator, am a work-study student, along with uh, many other positions at CFRC. So this essentially means that Queen's helps pay my salary to help me get a job and to help campus institutions and local Kingston not-for-profits afford to have staff. According to Erdman, Queen's will ensure uninterrupted delivery of the program this year, and the university will explore options to ensure the long-term sustainability of the program going forward. The really upsetting thing is that the students who will be the most affected by the Student Choice Initiative are really the students that are most vulnerable um, and who rely the most on financial assistance and the resources that student government and many of these campus clubs offer. We have, however, seen examples of solidarity in student attempts to help one another and advocate against the policy. A passionate group of students has gotten together to try to create a solution through the creation of Students for Students. With the help of the Queen's Bursary Program and the community at large, they're helping fight these cuts by creating the Students for Students General Bursary, an additional form of financial aid for students that need it the most. While at Queen's, roughly 50% of students come from families who earn more than $125,000 a year, um, the reputation of Queen's as a rich school isn't true for everyone. 18% of Queen's students received free tuition because they come from families who made under $40,000 a year. So this means that even though it might not seem like it, there are thousands of students at Queen's who rely on OSAP just to be here. This will force many students into a situation where their access to education is at risk. So, some fortunate students have decided to use their privilege to give back and to pledge their 10% tuition cuts to students who will be the most affected by these OSAP cuts. Students for Students is calling on other students who might not necessarily have been affected by the Student Choice Initiative to use their privilege to say thanks but no thanks to the 10% tuition cut. So if your parents pay your tuition, reach out and ask if they would like to spend their 10% savings on your peers in need. The people affected are right here in our community, whether It's our peers that sit beside us in the library, our peers in our classes, our neighbors, TAs, friends, housemates. All these people in our lives could be struggling, and everybody deserves the right to be here and the right to have an accessible education. If you can't afford to give your 10% tuition cut, any donation can make a difference. No matter how little of a contribution, 
you can show that Queens cares about the success of every member in our community. All these donations add up and are a collective contribution to the futures of our students. You would be helping our future doctors, scientists, politicians, teachers, and every Queen's University-educated member of society that will be able to go out and make a difference in somebody else's life without being held back by how much money their parents make. This organization has got a lot of people behind it. The AMS and AMS services have rallied to raise as much money as possible throughout October. According to AMS President Austin Pierce, Students, AMS staff members, and university administration have donated to the bursary. On the service level, Cogro sold $1 Students for Students branded cookies, Tricolor Outlet sold limited edition t-shirts, and Walk Home held a fundraising raffle for a Fitbit. In total, AMS services raised almost $3,000 for Students for Students, which is an amazing contribution, especially considering it was raised all within a month, and will help students continue having access to education. If you are interested in learning more about Student for Students, getting involved, or donating, you can find them on Facebook or Instagram, or go to their website, studentforstudents.ca. The AMS Assembly had a meeting on November 7th, where they discussed and heard updates on a number of different student issues and initiatives. Initiatives discussed included Queen's Period, the university chapter of the period movement, whose mission is to end period poverty and stigma through services, education, and advocacy within the Queen's and Kingston communities. You may have noticed these, but Queen's Period has installed Take One, Leave One bins in female and gender-neutral washrooms in the JDAC and the Queen's Center filled with menstrual products. The bins are intended to foster a culture of caring and awareness for our peers who menstruate, and are for those who are in a pinch for a product. According to the AMS Vice President of Operations report, since installation, the bins have been both successful and fairly self-sustaining. To keep them stocked, the AMS and Queen's Period will be holding period drives throughout the week. They will also be sending out a survey to students to assess the needs of students, like whether students have had to sacrifice food or rent funds to pay for menstrual products, whether they consider menstrual products luxury or non-luxury items, and whether they've had to miss class or other ab uh, academic obligations due to periods. Also coming out of this assembly is an update on the JDUC renovation project, something we haven't heard about in a while. In a presentation, the special projects officer said construction on the JDUC revitalization would begin in May 2021 and take 18 months. They also addressed the failed attempts to create a JDUC student fee in the January of 2018. The fee narrowly failed to vote with feedback pointing to students feeling like an $89 fee was too high. Also in the presentation, they highlighted the effort to ensure the redevelopment of the JDUC is environmentally conscious. Their target is to reach the gold certification of the environmental design rating system, putting it at the, quote, cutting edge of environmental stewardship models. In the president's report to assembly, 
Pierce encouraged students to attend Pac- Patrick Dean's open conversation sessions regarding the sexual violence policy. In recent news, according to Barb Lowton, the Sexual Violence Prevention and Response Coordinator, all employee training sessions about how to respond to student sexual violence disclosures have been canceled while the sexual violence policy disclosure requirement is currently under review. The suspension followed widespread criticism of the disclosure requirement, forcing non-healthcare professionals, so essentially all, all Queen's staff, to provide Lowton with a student's name, email address, and student number following a disclosure of sexual violence. According to a statement, Lowton wrote to the journal, information sessions for employees about responding to disclosures of sexual violence have regularly been offered on campus. However, the fall sessions have now been postponed due to the ongoing sexual violence policy consultation and review. The updated sexual violence policy, approved by the Board of Trustees on May 10th, incited concerns from both faculty and students about how the new policy could affect both the safety and the willingness of students to disclose sexual violence to university employees. Since the temporary suspension of the requirement, the university will be conducting a review of the sexual violence policy, which will include consultations with students, faculty, staff, and other stakeholders. The consultation period will close on November 22nd, when the university's senior leadership team will review all the feedback. Their final decision about the suspended disclosure requirement will be announced at the end of the winter term. On Tuesday, Extinction Rebellion activists held an event about the effects of the climate crisis, bringing their concerns about the Canadian government's response. Extinction Rebellion is a movement that began in London, England, after the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change reported that humans have only 12 years to stop climate change before the Earth enters the sixth mass extinction. Since then, Extinction Rebellion has been active in more than 72 countries, using a non-violent civil disobedience philosophy to try to stop the mass extinction climate change will cause. In Kingston, the branch most recently hosted a die-in on October 27th at Kingston Memorial Center, where protesters covered themselves in blood and laid out, laid down throughout the square to symbolize the death of the earth if humans consider uh, continue on the path that they are on now. At this recent event, they talked about climate science and the government's response to the climate crisis. Activists emphasize the importance of Extinction Rebellion's practice of civil disobedience in the face of what the group calls inaction by the government. Activist Jonathan Senker said, We need to stand up. We need to get politically active in a way that's probably going to be uncomfortable. He ended the talk by addressing the cost of doing nothing, asking, Will you be able to look at your children in the eye and say you did everything you could? If you're interested in learning more about Extinction Rebellion, getting more involved in climate uh, activism on campus, or um, sort of just learning more about climate change and the effects that it can have on you and the effects that it will have on our um, planet in general, Extinction Rebellion will be hosting 
another meeting to discuss the climate crisis on November 16th at 7.30 p.m. in BioSci Room 1103. In other news, plans for the construction of a new residence building are underway. This residence will be on the west side of Albert Street, just south of Union and across from Tyndall Field. It will be around five stories tall and contain between 315 and 335 beds. Queen's guarantees residence for first-year students, and as enrollment grows, the capacity of res needs to grow as well. One strategy they have recently used is to reduce the number of spaces available for upper years who want to continue to live in res. But now they are starting to plan the construction of a new building. The university plans to make the new residence completely sustainable by targeting um, LEED's gold standard certification, a guideline it's also attempting to use for the JDEC renovation and for the possible expansion of Duncan MacArthur Hall. The new residence also aims to reduce on-site water and greenhouse gas emissions by metering how much energy is being consumed. At public information sessions, Kingston residents raised concerns about potential noise and light pollution that the new residents could bring to Albert Street. Local residents have been involved in consultations since two months before the start of the project. The Queen's Community Relations Manager said, We've been working really close with them to understand what their concerns are and, the, and to communicate to them what we're doing, according to a statement to the journal. They also said the building won't have any food service, so there won't be any deliveries disrupting the area, and that the university is ensuring the building will not produce any light pollution. Their goal is to design things around those that they can accommodate and to have as little impact on the surrounding community as they can. And now it's time for a roundup of the most exciting campus events coming up this week. If you're interested in politics, this Tuesday, November 12th, the Queen's Liberals, Queen's Conservatives, and Queen's Greens Campus Clubs will be teaming up to host a multi-partisan political pub night. It will be at the mansion starting at 9. If you like some good pierogies, you are in for a treat. The Queen's University Ukrainian Society will be having a charity pierogi sale. They will be selling pierogies in the Ark on November 11th and 12th from 11.30 to 1.30. The Dance School of Drama and Music will be putting on The Drowsy Chaperone. This show will run from Wednesday, November 13th to Saturday the 16th with a show every evening at 7.30 along with an additional Saturday matinee. So be sure to, yo to show your support and get your tickets ASAP. The Queen's Science Undergraduate Research Journal will be having a wine and cheese networking event. Don't miss this opportunity to wine, dine, and network. It will be this Thursday, November 14th from 7.30 to 10 p.m. at the University Club. This Saturday, November 16th, the Golden Words, Queen's satirical newspaper, will be teaming up with the Beaverton to host a three-hour workshop on professional satirical writing. It will be at Ellis Hall from 1 to 4 p.m. You can check out the Facebook event page to get your tickets.
The Queen's Fashion Industry Network and the Commerce and Engineering Environmental Conference are teaming up for their second annual clothing swap event. If you have some old clothing lying around or want some new clothing for your wardrobe, you can drop off your old clothing and swap for some new finds. The last clothing drop-off day is today, November 11th from 3 to 9, but if you missed this date, you can also contact QFIN and a member of the exec, um, will try to do the best they can to get the clothing. The clothing swap will then be in the Polson room of the JDUC on Wednesday, November 13th from 9am to 4pm. You get the first five items you pick up free, no matter how many items you dropped off. And if you want to take more than five items, or if you want to take something but didn't donate anything, it's only $2 per clothing item. I did this last year, and I got to empty and organize my wardrobe a little bit and get some new clothing. This is both an environmentally sustainable and affordable way to shop, so make sure to check out QFIN's social media for more info. The Equity and Diversity Committee, Queen's Women in Law, and the Queen's Chapter of Pro Bono Students Canada are getting together to host a screening of Legally Blonde at the screening room. Take a study break and come out this Friday. The movie will be playing at 4 o'clock. Tickets are free, but they ask for a $2 donation to the Elizabeth Fry Society of Kingston. Lastly, we are now halfway through CFRC's annual funding drive. Throughout November, we have been raffling and raising money to mitigate the loss of funds due to the Student Choice Initiative. To help us maintain our operations, show your support for your campus radio station by donating to our GoFundMe campaign. If you're interested in donating, all the info will be on our website, cfrc.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Campus News here on CFRC 101.9. If you or anyone you know would like to contribute news, want to plug some events, has an idea for a story, or would like to come on the air because you have something to say, feel free to reach out to campusnews at cfrc.ca. I will be back next Monday with more campus news and events. Until then, I hope you all hang in there for the final stretch of the semester, and I would like to wish everybody good luck on your midterms. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.